signals for the Baltimore Colts. Unitas gives to Amici. The Colts are the world champions. Amici scores. Amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. California won the big game. One second left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! This is Phil Steele. This is Mike Burnham. This is Wes Durham. This is Mike Ashley. Hi, this is Chuck Foreman, number 44 of the Minnesota Vikings. Woo, mercy, this is handsome Jimmy Vance, the Boogie Woogie Man. This is Coach Fry with Virginia Tech Football, and you are listening to Big Dog Sports Talk. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to rock? You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network, 101.7, 103.5, and AM 1460. Streaming worldwide at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the Big Dog, Rick Watson. Everybody is safe and sound and okay this morning. It's brisk. 28 degrees as we start the program here on Tuesday. Call us up on the Baker Team Hotline. Anything that's on your mind, 639-4900. Text line's open for you as well. As always, 744-2990. Rick at New River Radio. You can send me a message on Messenger. Mike Burnett joins us at 7.05. He was on the call last night as Virginia Tech men's basketball got a big win over Virginia. Get his thoughts on that performance as Virginia has had offensive issues all year. Boy, they came to full effect last night. We'll hear from Tony Bennett. (laughs) Want to hear what he has to say about last night. Tech still under 500 in the conference. That was their 15th win overall, 7-8 and eight now. We'll talk to Mike. Jermaine Farrell joins us. And then uh, David Smith, our uh, NFL correspondent. The draft starting to heat up. It's not sure whether I really care this year. <laughs> At that point. William Byron won a uh, 
crash fest at the end of the Daytona 500, so he won it under caution. I believe that's the Jeff Gordon-owned car, right? The 24. So Hendrick Motorsports wins their ninth Daytona 500. And there were two massive wrecks at the end. So there you go. Hope that was satisfactory for everybody. Hope that's the way to end it. Biggest race, first of the year, and it ends in a couple of couple crashes. But that's the result. The result last night in Castle was a 75-41 Tech win. Virginia Tech shot 51% in the game. Still not a great shooting night from the two guards. Sean Padula finished with eight points. Hunter Couture finished with six points, but they didn't really need it because they got it from their bench. Nickel came off the bench, scored 13. Poteet had 11. Kidd had 14. Robbie Barron had 13. So it was different people actually contributing to the calls, and uh, Virginia just, uh, you know, this is why they're not a serious contender to go too far in the NCAA tournament if they're able to get in, just because of the little hit-or-miss nights offensively. They'd struggled offensively mightily in the game prior to this against Wake Forest, and then they come to Blacksburg, and they were in the 30s with like two minutes to go. So I'm curious. Nice guy. Mr. Perspective. Remember how well he handled it when um, Virginia became the first number one team to lose to a 16? Then the next year, of course, they won the NCAA tournament. Let's see what the perspective is when you get beat by 34 on the road against your in-state rival. Here's the Virginia hit basketball coach. Tony, were there any warning signs you saw as you prepared for this game to make you think the team could play like this? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a quick turnaround from obviously the um, the Wake game. Uh, we struggled offensively against Wake, um, but but played real hard. Well, I don't know why that uh, decided to cut off there. That was interesting. Defensively, and obviously our crowd uh, ignited us and knew how challenging this place is to play and um, how good Virginia Tech is at home and their, their experience and their talent. Uh, um, but, um, you know, again, we just, know, maybe it was like 12 to 14 or whatever it was, and then they just took off and um, they were very, they Guarded us very well. They're very physical. We didn't handle that physicality well, um, and then uh, um, we were behind in every way, shape, and form on the defensive end. And so they thoroughly outplayed us, and that's you know that's that's a tough way to go down. Um, <clears throat> but um, you know when you when you look at it and you say, look, we, we're on a fine line, and if we're not if we're not right. Um, can occur. That's happened to us this year a few times. Um, it happened to us. You know, you'd hope at this stage um, that it wouldn't, but it did. And it's a credit to how well Virginia Tech played, but also that uh, we we didn't have the right the right uh, uh, the right mindset or the, the ability to to withstand their runs to try to climb back in. And that's where you know your soundness is really challenged. 
All right, well, that thing's not going to play the way it should. It sounds like it's coming from a 1930s <laughs> silent film. I'm not sure what was going on there. The, the video's kind of grainy. Usually the uh, press conferences from Blacksburg are, uh, are much better than that. Let's see if Mike Young's is oh, any God. better here. Let's try this. Are this is this going to play at all? Good to have you here, buddy. Yeah, yeah, okay, so nothing's going to play. So anyway... Uh, well, okay, so you heard a little bit there of Tony Bennett. He was um, just kind of like, well, <laughs> you get beat down like that, there's not much to say. There's really not much to say. Um, Virginia is just not a good offensive team at all, and uh, Tech was able to jump out on them. They had that big run toward halftime, and the game was over. I mean, it was 36-16 to 16 at halftime, and the game was over. I mean, you just never felt like Virginia is the kind of offense that's going to be able to um, – get back into that basketball game, and they did not. So Tech uh, gets a win. We'll get the breakdown from uh, Mike Burnham. Got to be frustrating, I know, for Tech fan, right, to see them win a game like this. They got blown out by Carolina on Saturday. They lost that game at Notre Dame. Uh, Now they have to go to Pitt and Syracuse. A couple of um, interesting games on the road. They haven't been very good on the road this year. So we'll see. We'll see how they handle that off of this success. Was this just an outlier being at home? Was it Virginia having to travel to Blacksburg? Was it just that everything came together? I mean, if you look at the lines here for Virginia Tech, um, again, they didn't get scoring from their backcourt. It was good to see Barron and Kidd play well. Poteet off the bench play well. They didn't really dominate the glass. They held their own. They only had five offensive rebounds. But then, when you shoot 51%, you're not going to have as many offensive rebound opportunities. They only turned it over seven times, which was big. Um, they did have 17 assists on 27 baskets, which is pretty impressive. So, um, a big win all the way around. And, you know, if you're a UVA fan, you got to kind of wonder now. You got to kind of scratch your head a little bit about the uh, Cavaliers. That's two out of three. They've lost. Now they have Carolina going to Charlottesville. It's hard to imagine them being able to outscore um, North Carolina. At BC, won't be easy for them. BC's been fairly good at home. They go to Duke and then Georgia Tech. So there could be a couple more losses there for UVA. And then all of a sudden you get up to, uh, to nine. And then they have to probably... You do some do some things in the NCAA tournament, right? I would think. But there's a lot. There's a lot that has to happen. And, you know, if you look at Lenardi, he still only has four ACC teams as of last night making the NCAA tournament in his bracketology. Just four. And that's Carolina, Duke, Virginia, and Pitt. He's got Wake out of the tournament right now. So, don't know. We'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Nine from the Big 12, nine from the SEC, which doesn't seem right to me. He's got nine teams in from the ACC. And I don't know if that's bias or or what it is, but is the SEC really that great? Let me look here. He's got nine teams in from the SEC. Well, they do have one, two, three, four, five, six teams that are ranked. I don't know where he gets nine. 
Ole Miss is 19 and 6. I guess he's got them in Mississippi State 17 and 8. I mean, don't know. Don't know. We'll see how all the dust settles. And I agree. We talked about this with Burnham last week. You know, the bracketology is just kind of, I mean, until you get down to the tournaments and the, you know, if a team like Tech, for instance, goes on a big run in the tournament, right, then maybe, just maybe things will pick back up. But I think it's, it's kind of what we've talked about from the ACC's perspective all along. A lot of teams on the lower half have beaten the teams in the middle and upper half. And therefore, you have a league that doesn't look very impressive to the metrics or to the people who just, you know, watch the game. Got a text message, ACC play is not good. And I'm, I'm starting to think maybe that's correct. <laughs> I mean, you know, Tech looked good last night, but then they lost to, you know, Notre Dame. I mean, you know, it, Clemson, you know, they lost on their home court again. They've got eight losses. I, I don't know. I don't see anybody here. Even Carolina. I mean, Duke might end up being the best team in terms of going on a decent run in the tournament than anybody else in the ACC. Anybody else feel that way just watching Duke? You know, when Duke came to Blacksburg, they looked really, really good. And the only team that I guess you can compare them to is Carolina. Because Virginia just, when you lose like that in Virginia, their last two games when they don't score 50 points, it's hard for me to take them seriously. I mean, they're good at home, but again, they're four and five on the road. This is why Pitt, I think, is a team to keep an eye on. Because Pitt is six and two on the road. So that's pretty impressive to me, right? You go on the road and go six and two, that's, I mean, that's really impressive. As a matter of, fact, uh, matter of fact, Pitt and Carolina, each at 6-2, and two, have the best road records in the conference. Tech's 1-7 on the road. 1-7. So last night's win is nice, but I'm telling you, it doesn't do much at all. I mean, people are going to say, oh, well, here comes Virginia Tech now. They got a shot at the tournament. No, they really don't. <laughs> they really don't. You're under 500 in your league. You're going to go on a half, uh, go on a big run there at the end. You're going to have to win all your games. That's the way I look at it. All right? And then you're going to have to go a really long way in the tournament. Tech has a lot of bad losses in conference play that's going to outweigh. I mean, the committee's not even considering Tech. So just accept the win, enjoy it. Maybe it's the start of something good going forward. I don't know. But there's a lot of losses on there. Again, you're 7-8 and eight in the league. There's no conversation that you can seriously have about making an NCAA tournament. But maybe they can build on it. They've got to go on the road, and they've got to figure out how to win, starting out with uh, Pitt. Again, Pitt's not unbeatable. They've lost five games at home. They are playing well. They've won five in a row. Syracuse is a strange team. They've been good at home, but terrible on the road. That's kind of the MO of most of these teams in the ACC. But it, I think the texture's right. I think competitive league, but maybe not a very good basketball league. And if you're this late in February and you still have Mr. Bracketology only having four teams in, It's hard to look beyond those four teams and find squads that deserve to get in. We'll see. 
We'll see how it plays out. All right, we're just getting started here on a Tuesday. Hope you're doing well, wherever you might be. More coming up. Don't go away. Seven minutes past the hour. Six three nine forty nine hundred seven four four twenty nine ninety. You ever watch some of those? I haven't watched them in a long time, but those talent shows where they have singers up there and. They're auditioning and they're being judged and they're being critiqued to like the nth degree about their voice. And you listen to some popular music or rock music and you hear just this god awful vocal quality and you wonder, well, if if they were able to sign a record deal and make all this money, then what are we doing? Like somebody who may have missed a little bit of a pitch in a song on stage in front of judges. I think poison would fall under that category of, wow. Did someone listen to them sing into a microphone and go, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, man, that's really good. (laughs) It's really good vocals. (sighs) Yeah, something else that's annoying. And of course, it comes from ESPN. The way they've lumped in. Men's and women's college basketball coaching records together, right? Like, for instance, they had this big segment on how Tara Vanderveer is the all-time winningest coach in college basketball. No, she's the all-time winningest women's college basketball coach. Gina Ariema, they had a big article, hey, just pass Mike Krzyzewski. Um... Well, no, he didn't. He, he's second all-time in women's basketball. So what we're doing, what are we doing? Are we saying now that it's the same sport? I think women want to be recognized for having their own sport, right? Men's basketball, women's basketball. I mean, what are we doing? It's clearly just an ESPN political thing, I guess. But the two sports are separate, right? You have... Men's basketball, you have women's basketball. Right? When did it all become lumped together? Are men's teams playing women's teams now? Is that what we're doing? Is that what they're trying to is that the proponent is that what they're trying to get across here? I don't I don't, I don't understand. It, it's two it's almost two different sports, right? <laughs> In a lot of ways. I don't know why we're lumping it together. I don't understand. Maybe that's just me, but I think what it does is take away again from 
women having their own thing, right? I, I don't know. Anyway, just an observation. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, and David Smith later up on the program. Text lines open for you, 744-2990. Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, and uh, and um, uh, David Smith coming up on the program. Nothing is working here. Sheesh. <laughs> Sorry. I, things are just stopping in the middle, as that song did there. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Anyway, we'll, we'll try to navigate through it. There's some type of wizardry going on here on the uh, the computer ends of everything here on the program as we uh, get started for another day um you know somebody was telling me yesterday i didn't realize that we moved the clocks back up is it march 12th so we're getting close you know we're getting close to where it's going to feel like springtime right winter's got one more shot sorry Sorry, Snow Colt. You've got one more shot here over the next, what, couple of weeks, and then you're done, at least in terms of snow. Because even if you get snow in in March, mid-March, it usually doesn't last on the ground very long because the temperatures are warmer and the ground is warm. But... You know, I'm sitting around my office yesterday at Radford. We had a lot going on yesterday. A lot going on. And I hear two young ladies in the office beside me bemoaning the fact that we don't have snow on the ground. And I'm just rolling my eyes. I I kept to myself. I didn't get involved in the conversation. (laughs) I've made each of them aware how I feel about the uh, about the snow. But there they were. There they were. They were uh, wishing that we had lots of snow. Yeah, I know the blizzard of '93, but that you know that's an outlier. That was what 31 years ago. I'm talking about you know. Normally, that's not going to happen. I mean, that was once in 30-plus years. But for the most part, if we get like a little two- to four-incher in the middle of March, then it's not going to be around too long, right? It's just not.
what I think is cool is when they start the Major League Baseball regular season. Was it last year, two years ago? Remember the Tigers opened up and it was, <laughs> I mean, it was snowing really hard during the game. I think Miguel Cabrera hit a home run in the game. They always show that highlight. Pretty cool. Colorado, there's always a chance, like when the Rockies are playing early in the course field, that you're going to see some snow during baseball. Kind of depressing, too. But no, that's kind of, it's kind of fun when you see it swirling around like that. I, know, I just know that uh, Miggy hit a home run in the snow, and it was, it was, it was, it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. But in any event, March 12th is when we get our extra hour of daylight back. And that's where we are. Mike Burnup will talk more about Tech's win last night, what he observed as they get ready to head out. and then, uh, They're all important, but this will be interesting to see how these next two road games go for them. Is this a momentum builder, or is this just the perfect storm lighting up from a UVA team that looked pretty bad offensively the game before against Wake, and then they come in and just can't do anything. I do see, by the way, why people, and I have friends who are UVA fans, I do see why people are concerned about the future of that program in terms of the type of player that Tony Bennett has recruited to Charlottesville. And what I mean is he's got to find a special kid with a special mentality to sacrifice the natural move toward wanting to score the basketball as opposed to going out there and just being a great defensive player. Because I'll tell you this, no matter how well-schooled you are on the pack line, and we kind of saw it last night, no matter how much you know that you're playing in a program that if it's going to win, is going to be because of defense. When you're on the other end and you can't score and you can't get off a shot and you go however long they went, how long was it, about eight minutes without scoring? You're not going to have the same dedication on the other end of the floor. It's just a natural reaction. I mean, if you're throwing up a 25-footer and you haven't scored yourself in your last three or four shots, I mean, the motivation for you to come back down on defense just isn't there. And I think Tech took advantage of that, especially with their bigs last night. There's no lead to protect, right? So I get why there's a long-term pessimism about this particular UVA team and maybe going forward. Now, he had the perfect mix when he won the title. He found out the year before, right, when they lost as the number one seed and then was able to get it more equally balanced than he ever had during their national championship run. Yes, I did, Wayne. Thank you very much. Wayne from Ohio came by to pick up his uh, Tech women's basketball tickets for the Carolina game. He left me some uh, – hadn't had any in a while. The uh, bacon jerky, which is my preferred jerky. It was very nice. You didn't have to do that. Appreciate it. It's good, though. I didn't have to bring breakfast in today. That was my breakfast so I appreciate it. Appreciate it much. 
And I appreciate all the folks. Um, you know, I mentioned yesterday it was my daughter's birthday, and I posted uh, her pick from Sunday when she didn't want me to take a pick. Facebook, Facebook the Facebook electric page. friendship I had a lot of people make a lot of nice comments, so thank you for that. 23 years old. Whew. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. 23 years old. So Rick Patina, regardless of what you think of him, all right, Rick Patina criticized his team Sunday night. This is where we are today, by the way. This is where we are today in terms of how the so-called media covers things and the perception they try to get out. He criticized his team. They lost. They blew a 19-point first-half lead, and they lost to Seton Hall Sunday, 68-62. Uh, He questioned his players' toughness and mentioned several by name while describing their athletic shortcoming. He said, our lateral quickness and our toughness is just something I've never witnessed in all my years of coaching. We are very non-athletic, and we can't guard anybody without fouling. He had to come forward yesterday and say, hey, I truly wasn't ripping anybody. I was pointing out exactly why we lost. I am not always calm, and certainly not when I rip someone. I was not ripping anybody. I sometimes want my players to hear my words and read my words, and that was my intention. Look, throw away all the personal things that he did when he was at Louisville. He's a bad dude. He's a bad dude, right? No morals, clearly. But the fact that people were trying to make this a big deal – I mean, regardless what you think of him, he's one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. He continued, I was asked the question, why do you blow second-half leads? And I can tell you sometimes it's missed free throws at the end of the game. Sometimes it's a turnover, and sometimes it's a bad shot. It's not the same reason every time. But it's the same reason every time of why you foul. You foul because you take a bad shot, you get caught in a bad situation defensively, and you're not overly quick laterally. Therefore, I talked about our lack of athleticism. So he said, at the end of the day, look, I'm fine with what I said. Does anybody really have a problem with anything that he said? You know how many coaches I've interviewed this year that have used the same terminology for the Radford Radio Network? I mean, so what? (laughs) The circle in which a coach and his team live, that's their area. And here you again, you know, and of course it was only a headline on on ESPN. Of course. Oh, I can't believe he decided to personally attack his players. Is that a personal attack? I mean... I have conversations whenever I see the Radford basketball players and, and I've talked to those guys. There's guys who they come on the show. They say, you know, I'm not the most athletic guy in the world, but okay. So now we're making a big deal about a head coach trying to explain why his team keeps having certain shortcomings. That's where we are now. You're not allowed to critique your team. It's just gotten to the point to where it's very difficult because now the real world 
and the way the views are coming across and the way the media, especially on that network and what they write about and what they decide to make important, is, is this gotten so intertwined with, with sports? I mean, it's going to completely at some point make everything unwatchable. I mean, he didn't call a kid a name. He didn't cuss a kid. He didn't say a kid wasn't worthy of playing for him. He just was asked a question, and he answered it. Darius Nichols, Saturday night, we got blown out by High Point. It was a horrible, horrible game. You're feeling like just the emptiness in the pit of your stomach. Radford's head coach comes over to me during the postgame show. He's always very direct. And we were talking, and he uttered the sentence, I'm afraid guys have just decided they want the season to be over. And since, of course, he shared that publicly, I don't have a problem with, you know, quoting him here. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's correct. You wonder, but just watch them play. You wonder if guys have already decided to take that into um, consideration. Imagine if he were a head coach of a program. I mean, I think the only reason that Rick Pitino got singled out is because it's Rick Pitino and the media still feels like they owe him some shots over everything that went on. You know what? what is that being looked at as being a negative, what uh, Darius said about his team? No. He, he knows his team. He recruited his guys. If you go to a college basketball practice, they start practice in the center circle. They air out grievances. They talk a little bit. They talk about the practice, and then they go. At the end of practice, they get into a circle. It's their circle. It's the team circle. Every basketball team, men's or women's in the country, does it. Not everybody's allowed in. Very few people, if any, are allowed in outside of that circle. That's why it's called a team. They know those personalities far more than some moronic scribe on ESPN who's wanting to say, oh, I'll try to make a big deal about Rick Patino just for political gain. I'm just I'm just so I'm just so tired of it. I just uh, and this isn't old man off my lawn. I just don't understand why this is so acceptable to cover things this way. And it's the younger generation of <coughs> journalists. This is just where we are. And I don't care what kind of defense you want to supply to it. I don't care how you want to look at it. It is just the continuing softening of this country in every way, shape, and form. Text message. That's why all the greater older coaches are hanging it up with all this PC stuff. Absolutely. I was never abused as a student athlete or as a high schooler. I was coached very hard. I've talked about this many times. I'm sure many of you, the majority of you probably were too. Does anybody want to go back and go, boy, I wish I hadn't been coached so hard? Man, I really regret how hard I was coached. It taught me so much about life, taught me so much about responsibility, about work ethic about expectations, about what life was going to be like after high school. I wouldn't trade it in for anything. I never took offense at it. And these were times when you would actually get cussed at. Right? You know what I'm talking about. 
Let's talk about it the way it happened instead of trying to say, oh, no, that sounds so terrible. You must have been so hurt. No. It would piss me off. It would make me work harder. But the coaches knew certain of us would respond that way. Rick Pitino simply said, we're not very athletic. And somebody tried to make a big deal out of it as if he's just putting down his kids. And this is a headline article on ESPN's website. But it just gets accepted. Yeah. Wow, he shouldn't say that. How dare he critique guys that he recruited and he knows better than anyone here but and families that I'm sure – He knows better than anybody here, but we're going to write about it because we just didn't like it. It hurt our feelings, so it must have hurt their feelings. (laughs) Everybody's interjecting how they feel about things now. That's why there's no real journalism. It's all opinion pieces. Everything became editorials, even in game stories and things like that, just because of this type of situation. Instead of just covering something, they have to interject how it would make them feel if their editor came down on them. I really don't like your sentence structure there. Yeah, you kind of ran that paragraph on a little bit. (gasps) What? (laughs) What? How dare you? You sound just like Rick Pitino. (laughs) Oh, God. (sighs) All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Kenny Brooks. Yes, thank you. Text message. Kenny Brooks said it on the show. Right? About them not being physical enough or not being athletic enough. For the love of God. All right, we'll be back. I like the, my goal would be to be a chimpanzee and not a monkey, but, you know, apparently back fell short of that goal. Mike Burnett joins us coming up at uh, 7.05, Jermaine Farrow, and then David Smith here on this uh, Tuesday. Hope everybody is uh, into their week okay. I know Tech fans happy today. Get Mike's take on the game last night and what he thinks uh, has to happen to have a successful road trip coming up against a hot pit team and against Syracuse. Neither game unwinnable. By the way, it it wasn't really an upset last night because Tech was favored in that basketball game. I think the line closed at four. So Tech was favored to win last night. They weren't favored to win by... 34, but they were favored against Virginia, so Vegas knew something, right? They usually do. Hour two coming up on a Tuesday. Come on back with us.